We are on Ksubis Samach Zayin on the base 67b towards the top as we are continuing our discussion about the laws of tzedakah, of charity. And we will quote a few different stories that uh, reflect an idea that we mentioned in the last class and also other interesting cases and laws. In the last class, uh, we discussed the concept of de mechsero, that one has, one has to see ports and provide for a poor person based on his economic status prior to becoming poor. And the reason for this is to not embarrass him or her. Uh, we want to make sure that they are not embarrassed, and so therefore we have to continue to support them. Uh, most probably a communal obligation to continue to support them uh, after they become poor so that they are not embarrassed uh, by lowering their social but their uh, economic, their financial status. So here's the story. It's taught in Ha'elyon. There is a story about the people in Galil Ha'elyon, the upper Galilee. Uh, they brought for a poor person from a respected family from Tzipuri, from the city of Tzipuri. What do they bring for him? Litra basar b'cholyom, every day a litra of meat, which is significant, a lot. Every day this poor person would receive this meat. So the Gemara asks, Litra basar mayrabusa, Amrav Huna, litra basar mishal ofos. Basically they ask, why, uh, what's it coming to add? Why are we teaching us about a, 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 a litra of meat every day? Why are we uh, discussing that? So we'll have two answers. Ravuna says, Litra Basar Michel Ofos. Um, the point is, is that it was very expensive. Chicken then was very expensive, more expensive than meat. And so Ravuna says, we're really referring to chicken and not meat, and it's there to tell us that it's very expensive. Alternatively, it means that it's for the weight of a litra of coins. And they brought him uh, actual meat. They brought him actual meat. But that meat was very expensive. That meat was very expensive. So either we're talking about chicken, which is very expensive, or the meat itself was very expensive. And the point is that we have to continue to support him because that was his status before becoming poor. Rav Ashi, Amar Rav Ashi says, Rav Ashi gives a different explanation. He says that that village was a very small village. It was a very small town. And so they basically gave it to him every day because... Uh, they had nothing to do with the leftovers. They would slaughter the animal every day. Uh, they would give him fresh meat. doesn't necessarily have to be the most expensive meat, but they gave him fresh meat. Uh, but there was nothing to do with the extra amount, so they just let him keep the extra amount. And the point was just to teach us that they would let him keep the extra the extra amount. Okay, next story. There was a certain person who came in front of Rabbi Nechemia. Also, a poor person who came to ask for money. So he said to him, Rabbi Nechemia said to him, what do you usually eat? I eat the fancy food. I eat fatty meat, aged wine. So Rabbi Nechemia says to him, he says, do you want to have some of my food? My food, I have lentils. I don't have such fancy food like you have. So he did that. So the poor person ate with him. He ate with him this... uh, the adashim, the lentils, which was not what he was used to. So he had the food that he's not accustomed to, and he died. 
the poor person died uh, because he was used to having a very fine food, excellent food. And once he had the adash, once he had the lentils, it uh, did something to his body, to his stomach, and he died. So they said, as a, uh, as Rabbi Nechemia said, as a result of this, Amr Oilo Shahargo Nechemia says, Woe unto this person, this poor person who was killed uh, by Nechemia. He was killed by Nechemia. So they say, What are you talking about? The Gemara asks, why did, why did he focus on the poor person? Rabbi Nechemia should have been focusing on himself. That's woe to Nechemia who just killed this poor, this poor person by giving him food that he's not accustomed to. Uh, he caused him to die. Why is the focus on the poor person and not on Rabbi Nechemia? So the Gemara says, The reason is, is that the poor person uh, should not have, who was originally wealthy but then became poor, he should not have indulged in such food to begin with. That the only reason why he came to be was because uh, he indulged in such fancy food to begin with. And that was what he became accustomed to. That's what he became used to. That was the only food that he ate. And as a result of that, he died. He should have been careful about it. And he should have realized that uh, just because I could afford it doesn't mean I should eat it and become accustomed to it to the point where I will be sick from eating anything else. Apparently, that's, it would cause illness in the days of the Gemara if they ate anything else. And he should have been cognizant of this. And even though Nechemia, uh, he, uh, he gave him the food, but it was really the poor person's fault uh, for originally eating such delicacies. Uh, that's what Nechemia says. Okay, that was that story. Next story of a poor person coming to uh, have a, a standard which he was used to. There was a poor person who came in front of Rava. So it's Rava says to him, what are you used to eating? So he said to him, uh, a fat uh, tarnagolus, a fat hen, and aged wine, also fancy food. So Rabbi says to him, He said, you expect us to give you this food? Aren't you concerned that you're going to cause a burden to the community? How could we afford this? We're going to give this to you every single day? How could, how could you say this? How could we, we as the community, we cannot afford... Uh, to continue to pay you uh, and to provide for you at such a level. It's just, it's not going to work. So what does this poor person say? Amr, who was originally wealthy, he says, He says, I'm not relying on you. The poor person, he has such a high level of emunah, high level of belief in Hashem. And he says, I'm not relying on you. I'm not relying on the, the community to provide for me. Hashem will make sure that I get it. That's what he says. Hashem will provide for me. And he quotes a verse which we say in Ashrei, the Tanina. It says, uh, it says in the Brisa, that the eyes of all wait for you. We have uh, the Amuna, we have the belief uh, to rely on you, God. And you give it to us, you give it to us in our time. It doesn't say in our time, sorry, in, in its time. It's in its time. That each person will be given what they need at their time. That uh, it's for the individual. And so he's telling Rava, I'm not relying on the community, but I'm relying on Hashem. I'm relying on God. And I have so much bitachon, I have so much belief in Hashem that I know that Hashem will provide for me. I believe that Hashem will provide for me. So what happens? How does the story end? Rava's sister uh, comes. The, the rabbi here was Rava. Rava's sister comes. Comes and Rava has not seen her for 13 years, and she comes with a gift. 
What's the gifts that she brings him while Rava is standing with this poor person? The exact food that the poor person wanted. Fat in the fat, fat hen and aged wine. So Rava says, Amar, my dekama. Um, how could this be? I, I, I received this now. I never received such food, such, uh, such fancy food, such uh, delicacies. And all of a sudden, my sister comes to me after 13 years and gives this to me. He says, So he tells the poor, the poor person that, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, he says, basically. And he says, come and eat. Hashem has provided for you. This didn't come from the community. It just happened to come out of nowhere. came out of nowhere. So just in terms of this story, one point is that this is a very, very important dispute about the role of emuna and bitachon, the role of our belief in Hashem and how Hashem provides. There is a school of thought that believes that if we have total trust in Hashem, that Hashem will do something for us, something good for us, so then it will happen. That uh, well, the reason why good things don't always happen to us is because of our lack in our trust in Hashem. But for those who have complete trust in Hashem, so then Hashem will provide for them. And one of the proofs that they bring is this story, this story in the Gemara, that this poor person had such emunah, such belief in Hashem, that what he wanted actually came to be. However, the Chazanish and others argue that no, that's not, uh, that's not how bitachlan, that's not how belief in Hashem works. Belief in Hashem is to believe not that if we have total trust in Hashem that uh, everything that happens will be good, but that belief in Hashem means that we trust that things don't happen by chance and that Hashem uh, has, a, has, a, has a rhyme and reason. Uh, for why things happen in the world, and it could be that it's not good things that happen to us, that from in this world and in, in our picture that we're living in, it looks like that it's not good, but we still believe that it comes from Hashem, that Hashem is the one who is orchestrating and directing the world, and that ultimately, in the days of Mashiach, when Mashiach comes, we'll, we will understand. Uh, but right now, trust doesn't mean that automatically good things will happen to us, but trust means that we believe that uh, Hashem is directing things. It could be that it doesn't look good right now, uh, but there is a purpose in what is happening. That's really what bitachon, trust in Hashem, means. So this Gemara seems to imply like the first way, but many uh, others follow the second position, uh, the position of the Chazanish that we mentioned. Okay, the Gemara now continues, Tanu Rabbanan, it is taught in Abraisa. New case, new fascinating discussion. We'll discuss two different scenarios. Ain Lovena wrote to the Spartans. Case number one is there's a poor person, but he refuses to accept charity from the community. He's uh, embarrassed. He doesn't want to accept charity from the community. What should he do? So two opinions. First opinion is Remeir. Remeir says, uh, so fine, so give it to him as a loan. Say he has to pay back. And then after you give it to him, say, okay, fine, I, for, uh, I forgive you on the loan. Don't You don't have to pay me back. We sort of trick him into accepting the money. And then we say, we ignore it. We never demand it from him. We never ask it from him. And I believe this, this happens uh, fairly frequently that, uh, that uh, there are people in the community who don't want to take money, but we give it to them and say, okay, you'll pay us back, and then we never ask for it back. That is the first position. Chacham say, we should offer it as a gift. He'll then say no, and then we offer it as a loan. We'll offer it as a loan. That's what the Chacham say. So, uh, the Gemara asks, why should we offer it as a gift? We know he's not gonna, he won't accept the gift. He won't accept charity. So Rav explains that, according to the second opinion, the idea is to begin the discussion. It's like uh, negotiations. We're beginning the discussion. We know that our initial ask 
uh, or offer uh, will be rejected, but we still offer it so that at least uh, he'll accept the second option, which is the loan. And so we basically go down in levels. According to Mayor, it's never really planned, it was never really intended to be a loan. We just say it to him and then we forgo the loan. According to the Chamim, according to the second opinion, in the end of the day, it is a loan, but we start off by offering a gift so that he will agree to the loan itself. Okay, next case, next uh, very interesting case. What happens if somebody has money? They have money, but they refuse to use their money for their own food, and they are demanding from the community to provide for them. Do we let them starve? Do we have to give it to them? They have money. What should we do? What do we do in this case? Uh, so different options are given. Says the Gemara, the first, the first uh, answer is that we, we say, okay, fine, you won't eat, so then we have to give you food to survive. So we'll give it to him as a gift. And then afterwards, we'll go back and collect the debt from him. After he eats, we want him to survive. So we'll collect the debt from him afterwards. So the Gemara says this only works once. You know, once he sees that they, they demand the money from him afterwards, so then he's going to starve himself again. It's, it's, it won't, won't solve the issue. Once it happens once, he knows what's going on. So Amr Papa Lachar Misa. Papa says, when do we collect from his debt? After, from his estate? After he dies. After he dies, then we take it all away from him. We take away from him the amount that we gave him, and then we also take away from him the amount that he should have paid for it. Uh, so we take that away. That is all one opinion. However, we in fact follow the next opinion. Rabbi Shimon Omer, If he has money and he does not want to be supported on his own, but he wants to rely on the community, then we do not get involved with him. We are not obligated to support him. So let him be. This is his own decision. We have no obligation to support him. We have no obligation to support him. Rabbi Shimon then continues and says, Rav Shimon now says, going back to the previous case of the poor person who refuses to take money, he, he's too embarrassed to receive charity. So Rav Shimon says the solution we should have is similar to what we said before. Uh, the solution we should have is that we should give it to him as a loan. Part of that is that we will we'll even tell him, we'll take collateral. He obviously doesn't have anything. He says, I have nothing to give you. So we say, okay, we'll take collateral later. Basically, we'll, we'll pretend like there's a real loan taking place. But in actuality, we're just giving him, we're giving him the money. Okay. The Gemara now quotes similar ideas based on the verses in the Torah. Torah the Brisa has taught, Ha'avet, this is the verses in the Torah that discuss the laws of charity. Ha'avet tavitenu. You should open his hands towards him. This is referring to somebody who is poor but refuses to take from the community. So the same thing we mentioned before, we, uh, we give it to him originally as a loan, but then we let him keep it. Tavitenu, the next word, it's a double language. Tavitenu, um, what is this referring to? This is all the position of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says this is referring to somebody who has money, but refuses to use his own money to support himself. He's essentially demanding from the community to give to him. And in such a scenario, what do we do? We give it to him as a gift, and then after he dies, we collect all of the debt back. The Chachamim, however, say, Chachamim, no. And again, this is the position that we follow. 
Say that no, we do have we have no obligation to get involved. If he wants to mess himself over, so be it. We 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 do not have to take from the communal funds to then support him. Ah, oh, but there's an extra word in the Torah. What do we do that extra word? So the, the Gemara explains that according to this opinion, the extra word is just uh, the way people talk. The Torah wrote it in a way, it was written in a way, the way people talk, sometimes people use double language, and so therefore there's really nothing to learn out from that extra, from that extra word. Okay, we have about two more stories left, fascinating stories coming up. Marok Marukva had a poor person in his neighborhood, and he used to throw to him, Four dinar uh, near his door, and basically do it in a hiding, in a, in a way that uh, was a hidden way, so that the poor person wouldn't find out who was giving it to him. And, and the Rambam, Maimonides, in fact, says that this is one of the highest levels of stuck of charity, is so that the poor person will remove embarrassment from him. He doesn't even know who's giving it to him. Yom Achad Amar, the poor person one day says, Ezel Echsi, Manka Avet Bi, Hahutivusa. He said, the poor person says, I'm going to see who's doing this for me. I, I want to know. I want to know who's doing this, this favor for me, who's giving me charity. That day, Merkva was late from coming out of the study halls, and so Merkva went with his wife to distribute the charity. And Kevin So, uh, when the poor person saw that someone was giving it to him by the door, the poor person quickly ran out after them to see who it was. What happens? Uh, so they don't want to. Marukva doesn't uh, want him to find out who it is. He doesn't want to embarrass him. So what do him and his wife? What do they do? They run. They make a run for it, and they jump into a certain furnace where there was fire there and it was still burning. And uh, and while they were there, Marukva's legs started to burn, but not his wife's legs. So Marukva's wife says, raise your legs and put them on my legs so that they don't burn. Um, and uh, Marukva became distraught because his wife, a miracle happened to his wife that her legs were not burnt, but uh, Marukva himself did not experience this miracle and his legs were, were burning. So that's why she said to put his, his legs on top of her legs. So she says, she explains to them why was she deserving of this miracle. She says to him, you're in the study halls, you're studying, but I am usually found at home, so I'm the one who makes myself readily available uh, to give to the poor. I'm the one who's actually giving to them. Not only do I give to them, I give to them actual food. You just distribute money. Money is helpful, obviously, but then it requires them to purchase, to buy. I give things, I give to the poor so that it's readily available. It's food. They can use it uh, very easily. And therefore... Uh, that's why uh, I was saved, and not just saved, but they were both saved. But uh, I did not experience any pain, uh, but you, but you did. So the Gemara asks the, the very important question: Hai, why did they do this? Why they, well, they had to run away to such a degree where they have to then jump into the fire uh, to prevent this embarrassment? Is that really true? Do we really have to do this? The Gemara says yes. To Amar Mazurja Bartavia Amarav Amilam Ravuna Bar Bizna Amar. Rabbi Shimon says, That it's better for a person to die rather than to embarrass somebody in public. To embarrass somebody in public, how is this in public? Potentially because Marikva was such an important person, people would find out about this poor person. Uh, and so to embarrass somebody in public 
uh, is terrible. It's absolutely terrible that one per- a person has to actually give up their life to prevent embarrassing a person in public. Where do we know this from? We know this from the story in the Torah. We'll take a few more minutes. I know we reached the 20 minute line, but from the story in the Torah of Tamar. Tamar essentially uh, prevented embarrassment to her father-in-law Yehuda, even though it would cost her her own life. And so we see from here that to prevent embarrassment in public, it's better to give up your life. Now, for one minute, there's a big, big discussion whether or not this is actually true or not. Is this practical? Is this really true? There's a school of thought that says, yes, this is uh, embarrassing somebody in public is similar to murder. It's uh, perhaps some language says that it's worse than murder because they're alive and living with that embarrassment. Um, and that uh, one would have to give up their lives. It's, uh, it falls under a subcategory of murder. We know that there's the big three. One of them is that you have to give up your life uh, in a situation of murder. Perhaps this also falls under that category that one has to give up their life in a situation of embarrassment. However, there's another school of thought that says, no, this is not meant to be taken literally. It just means that this person was allowed to do it. Mark was allowed to do it, but we wouldn't say that the person should do this in general. We, we wouldn't say such a thing. Okay. Last story, and then we will conclude this, uh, this uh, page. Another story with Marukva. There's a poor person in Marukva's town, and he used to throw to him 400 dinars every year on the day before Yom Kippur. The day before Yom Kippur is a day uh, we want a lot of merit, and so therefore he, he, there's a concept of giving a lot of charity during that time. So he gave charity to one poor person, he gave 400 zuz, a lot of money. So Yom One day he sent the money with his son. His son went to send it. So the son came back and said, No need. There is no need to give to this poor person anymore. So So the father says, Marikva says, Why not? I saw that he was, uh, he was drinking, he was pouring old wine, on the floor for the, for the smell. So he obviously has enough. So Marikva says back, No, this just reveals how much he's used to. This is, his status that he's used to, we even have to give him more. And so he gives him double of the amount, 800 zuz, to show that this idea of day Mechsero, that we have to give based on their um, economic status prior to becoming poor. Uh, and finally, the last story with Marukva, uh, when he was uh, on his deathbed, he asked to bring, for them to bring him his charity record. And so he saw, he noticed that uh, he still owed 7,000 dinar to give to charity. So he says, Amar, Zavdai Khalili Orcha Rachikta. He says, I have a, a long travel to the next world and I have very little provisions, meaning I don't have enough merit because I should have given this to Tzedakah. So what does he do? Kam Bazbaze the Pagimona. So he gives half of his money, the remaining money that he has, he gives half of it to charity. So the Gemara says, How could he do such a thing? We know there's a concept that a person should not give more than 20% of their money to charity. So how could he give 50%? So we discussed this at the time when we discussed when we studied this uh, a while ago. The idea of giving 20%, up to 20%, is only when while we're alive. Because we don't want to lose our possessions. But on his deathbed, he's allowed to give up to 50%. Um, and the same thing is true. Some of the commentators point out if a person is very, very wealthy, they could, get, they should give, they could, should give up to fifty percent of their uh, of their wealth to charity because the concern that they will become poor doesn't really exist. Both when they are close to death, 
and if they are extremely wealthy, so then uh, they could also give, according to some opinions, up to 50%. Okay, we will continue with this, these interesting discussions in next week's class.